This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to the Highway Hi-Fi Podcast, where we go track by track through the underbelly of music history using research and trivia to locate the roots of our obsession with vinyl records. I'm Joe. And I'm Ryan. And congratulations, you've reached the Internet's finest source of musical interviews. And today we got a doozy. For the first ever interview on uh, Highway Hi-Fi Podcast, we got Chris Brown, who is the basically the guy who invented Record Store Day. And so what we're going to do right now is we're going to play our interview uh, that we conducted over Skype a couple nights ago. And it, you know, is really an interesting way of looking into what started Record Store Day and where Record Store Day is going. So we hope you enjoy it. Everybody's talking at me. I don't hear a word they're saying, only the echoes of my mind. Let's go ahead and uh, get started here. Uh, sure. Yeah. Today we're welcoming Chris Brown, the vice president of Bull Moose Records. Is that still correct? I guess I, I've been calling myself CFO lately, but yeah. CFO? You're basically the person who invented Record Store Day, right? Or I mean, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, I mean, somebody had to think of something, right? Joe, did you say in, in your email you mentioned you were working in a in a record store at the time, right? Right around the time that that record store day got started. Sorry. Yeah, I was working at that point. I was working in Hyde Park Records on the south side of Chicago. Cool. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was pretty cool just seeing all of that thing evolve. Yeah, it. I mean, you know, I mean, we hoped it would get big, but it did grow <laughs> faster. No, I mean, you know, it, it was it was like, well, this this is at least going to be cool and fun for for whatever, you know, a few dozen stores try it, um, and maybe maybe some labels will want to get involved, maybe some bands, hopefully a lot of bands, maybe someday, yeah. uh, you know, some famous people will want to do it. I, um, <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't know if, which which version of the email you saw because different like different um blogs printed different parts of it but but you know it's like i think guided by voices was like the thing i was was hoping for maybe we can get like a special guided by voices piece you know like that was as far that was it you know if like led zeppelin paul mccartney all that stuff was not you know that seemed like that was way in the future well we normally start off the episodes or the show with trivia are you up for a round of trivia sure <laughs> All right, we, I think we've got this. Kind it, of, it is kind of a setup. <laughs> it's, yeah, we okay. are. I typically wouldn't want to put somebody on the spot, but I kind of like it here. I think this is fun. So no, it's okay. Put, I, it, it's it's yeah, no, it's yeah, yeah. I'm a little nervous, but it's okay. Okay, it's not going to be an audio round. It's going to be just pretty oh. simple. And Ryan, I think Ryan's going to start off here, tell you what what it's going to be. I think. Yeah. Okay. So here's today's trivia. 
we're just going to name a bunch of uh, well-known independent record stores, all of which are participating in Record Store Day this year, and we're going to see if you know where they're located. Oh, that's good. That's cool. We were going to keep it strictly in the U.S., but uh, we did pop <laughs> in a few internationals. <laughs> so <laughs> we did a bit of Record Store Day international research. <laughs> Okay. I mean, if you've listened to to you know some of the podcasts, you kind of know that like at some point it gets to be uh, more about like stumping the other person. So I think th- that just kind of spilled over in, in how Joe and I <laughs> Joe and I uh, do our thing to to our first guest who was doing trivia. So I'm, I guess I'm sorry about that, but we'll see. I, I think you I think <laughs> you'll get a, a bunch of these. I'm sure I'll get right. some. Yeah. 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 All right. Are you ready? Yes, I am ready. Okay. First one. Yes, is, I'm ready. Well, <laughs> Wuxtry Records. Wuxtry. Oh, I've heard of them. Australia? That's not a city. Nope, I think nope. Australia. Nope. Athens, okay, wrong hemisphere. Georgia. <laughs> Athens, Georgia. That's where uh, okay. REM started. That's okay, though. That's okay. I didn't oh, is that where they were, like, working? Is that where they were working? Uh, Wasn't Mike, Mike Mills worked there. One of them worked there, and then... Stipe came in, and I think they kind of hooked up there at some point. Uh, Jerry's. Jerry's Records. Don't know. That's Pittsburgh. Okay. All right. Treehouse. Don't know. Minneapolis. Okay. Twist and Shout. (laughs) Okay. I know they're in Denver if they're still around. They are in Denver. That's my my old haunt, actually. Uh, I grew up in, in Denver. I think they're still around. I've got a okay. bunch of work there still, I think. So good. Excellent. Good. All right. Good. Do you okay. know where yeah, Water, Waterloo Records is? Yeah, you're on the board. Uh, oh, yeah, I'm on the board. Well, Waterloo, I mean, you know, because John's like, you know, I mean, Austin, obviously. Yeah. Not obviously. Very but, good. But like, Very yeah. good. See, now you're getting into like people I've met, so that makes it easier. Well, we're just but, about to uh, to switch continents on you here pretty soon, so hang on. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. Uh, Dusty Groove. Oh, wait. They're in, aren't they in Chicago? They are in Chicago. Very good. All right. Uh, how about Mississippi Records? Uh, Pacific Northwest somewhere. Yeah, but aren't they in yep. like Seattle or Portland or something? No, no, no. Portland, no. you oh, got it. Yeah, very, I don't know. Very good. Okay, all right. Very good. Portland. Excellent. All right. Wax Museum Records. Wax Museum. Um, I don't know. Don't know. You actually mentioned earlier Australia. They're in Melbourne, Australia. So that's. Oh, okay. I don't know how in the world you would know that. Last one of my list is Ear Ecstasy. Oh, uh, Louisville. Very is good. In Louisville. Wow. It's clean. Yep, yeah. Yep. But see, now wow. you're getting back good to job. people that I know because, like, 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 the, the whole prehistory of Record Store Day involves a group that. Like Waterloo and Twist and Ear Ecstasy were all part of, so there wouldn't there was they they're all members or were whichever were those. I know Waterloo's still around. I don't know about the other two, but they were part of the coalition of independent music stores, which was the first like band of record stores from across the country to get together and you know try to band together to help each other out. How did that come so, about? Like, what um did you contact them? Were you guys just? I mean, you were in a group with them and and just kind of in a forum. We were in a group that's now changed its name to the Department of Record Stores. That's the one that Bull Moose was in. And at the time, I was 
president Bull or Moose chairman Becker. of the board. <laughs> what? Bull Moose, yeah, Bull Moose right, Becker. Exactly. Name, right? Bull yeah. Moose tapes <laughs> and uh, uh, cylinders um, was a member of, of yeah, it, it was, which was just another, you know, another coalition. And then a okay. third one started a few years after that. So between those three coalitions, there were maybe close to 200 storefronts at one time. So we all started to, to the three coalitions started working together. So like you had, so like Twist and Shout in Denver, right? But then you had, uh, you know, in the group we, we're in is um, Independent Records and Video, who used to have a store in Denver. So, you know, the thought was they're in different coalitions, but we're really like, you know, cousins or brothers and sisters or, or whatever, um, you know, similar mutants. So we started working together. And the first, the first project that went across all three coalitions actually was a Weezer uh, EP. Do you remember it was The Lion and the Witch? It's like a B-Sides compilation. Not vinyl, CD. I don't Which came about. One. Oh, well, I mean, it was just the first. That was the very first indie exclusive. And, and oh, that came okay. about because somebody complained to Interscope. Hey, how come you keep doing all these like special, you know, versions, two extra tracks for this big box store, extra thing for that other one? And they said, well, you know, it's because they, uh, you know, they buy a lot. Well, how many do you have to buy? And they <laughs> threw out a number and said, well, uh, if you did a Weezer one, we could buy that many of a Weezer, sort of put them in a corner. And you know, it happened and Weezer was into it. You know, they, they're cool. <laughs> Measurement. So it all kind of just happened. And so things like that started, whatever, there were just more and more of those things. So uh, we all just kind of got closer to each other. So by the time that I proposed Record Store Day within the Department of Record Stores, there was enough trust across the other two organizations that we could all know they would probably all be into it. So very, very quickly, there was a good mass of uh, people who with, you know, we're used to working together and everybody had their own, um, you know, set of contacts and press pe- people and friends in different bands and at labels and stuff. So there were enough people to kind of hit the phones and make it, make it work. Do the coalition still work pretty well together, you think, or? Yeah, definitely. Yep. In fact, more than, than we did when they, we, we were first starting all this stuff 20 years ago, because there are a lot less people working at record, st- at uh, record labels now. So they actually rely on the organization that the three coalitions have. They don't have like, um, you know, there used to be a few hundred people working for major labels just in Boston covering like Connecticut, just covering New England. New York had separate offices. So it was like somewhere central Connecticut up to like Albany was just one area. And none of those people are around anymore. There are exactly zero major label employees in, in New England right now. Maybe some radio huh. people, but none, none doing everything, anything with retail. So they need the, the record companies need the coalitions now. Otherwise, they couldn't get anything done. Not with, right. not, not like, with indies anyway. Seems like that would have had a lot, uh, a big kind of disconnect between all the all the areas of the country with the record stores as far as communicating and stuff. Yeah, well, you know, it used to be like a regional thing, where you know Sony would have. There are people in Boston, call us in Newberry and the New England Towers and, you know, whoever else was around. And there'd be somebody living in Albany who would take care of that. And there'd be somebody in Pittsburgh who would have to take care of 
you know, National Record Mart and whatever store, Jerry's or whatever it was, you know. Um, and, you know, they have somebody living in Ann Arbor to take care of whatever. Actually, he's still there. But now they can just kind of contact either one person who then push one person at one coalition who pushes it out to the other two, or they can contact the three independently if um, they, you know, for whatever reason, it's it's easier for them. So now it's like somebody's boss instead of having to contact twenty people in their company, who between them have to make two hundred phone calls. Now it's like one person can send one email and it's done. A lot more, a lot more efficient. Yeah, <laughs> it's way more efficient. Yeah, and then we get one email a week that has like all the stuff the labels want to do that they want to run through the coalitions every Friday. It's it's actually much easier for everybody. Less fun, but you know, because yeah. <laughs> you know there's fewer people to shoot the shit with. But are you? But, so I'm still I still think it's weird that records come out on Fridays, but <laughs> it still seems. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know the yeah. We lost that fight. You know, I stumbled on that accidentally. The before anybody was supposed to know that was going to ha- that move to Friday was supposed to happen, because I got this crazy idea that all right, it it's really hard for everybody who's a fan of music and everybody who like works in a store or press people or anybody to, to keep track of like what's coming out when. You know, right. and, and when does the pre-order start and what are the details? So I got this idea that, you know, what if we, um, what if everybody agreed to always send their press releases on Friday? So like Thursday night, all the new release information could go out. And then Friday, everybody sends their press releases. And obviously, Beyonce is going to do whatever she wants, but she's earned, you know, <laughs> she's earned her right to do that. But everybody else, except for Beyonce, uh, has to do it, do it like this. And that just would help everybody get organized. And then maybe like, you know, the nightly news every Friday, there's a spot on, Hey, this is what was announced today. Look at all these things. I thought it would be really a great thing. And, uh, mm-hmm. when I suggested it to somebody, they only heard Friday and said, how did you hear about this? What do you, what? <laughs> it's like, what, what, you know, I, what did I hear about? It? I just, I just, I make shit up all the time. I just made it up. And then they had, ex- then it was, then there was a, wait, we're not talking about the same thing, man. No, I don't think we should move release date to Friday. No. <laughs> no, that's they a bad idea. Looked, they were trying to get someone to get, they were looking for someone to fire. As soon as you mentioned that, it's like, who the, who's our leaker? Absolutely. Yeah, because no, I, no, I wasn't supposed to know that, but it's okay. So we do have a few more record stores. Oh, yeah, 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 the other foreign ones, right. No, I kind of okay. jumped off. I'm sorry. I got, I got No, I did. It, I did. That was me. Oh, no, was I, my phone. Was, I was asking you about that coalition and because you were talking about it. Okay, oh. so just a few more. Uh, what about um, yeah. People's Records? People's Records. Mm-hmm. Beijing. I don't know. Detroit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> Adam Hart. Oh, wow. Um, well, that's a great name for a store. I had no idea. Uh, I'm going to guess uh, Zabriskie Point, wherever that is. Montreal. Okay. Uh, what about Grimey's? Grimey's, well, that Nashville. Nashville's in the United States, I think, though. It is. Yeah, it is now, yeah. I wasn't doing all out of the country. Um, <laughs> oh, oh, okay. <laughs> um, Aquarius? Uh, I don't know. It should be in in uh, San Francisco, but I don't know. I've heard of it, but it I don't is. remember. No, no, no. Wait, wait, it it's, it's, wait. Hold on. Amsterdam. They're in Amsterdam, right? It might be. No? 
the one I'm thinking of is San Francisco. It's a real tiny, it's a real tiny place. Oh, okay. Tiny, really nice record Aquari- store. Aquarius is? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a great, great little store. All of these, I'm sure, are the ones I've been to. How about Real Groovy? It's a good name for a record store, too. It is, but I don't know. It's in Auckland. <laughs> uh, I don't know how you okay. somebody to know the record stores in Auckland. <laughs> <laughs> right. They are a participating store, record store day though. Uh, I think <laughs> that's that's our mean quiz for you for the day. Um, okay, that was good. too rough on you. I think you did. No, I feel I still feel good. really good, Chris. Yeah, I, I, oh, I thanks. Ten times better than I would have. I think I would have only got three or four of those. But, that's how many so. I got. Three or four. I think that's no, awesome. no, you got more than that. So <laughs> we'll send you the score later. Oh, okay. <laughs> we were okay. the tapes. <laughs> <laughs> I know we've kind of already started talking about it, but we'll just kind of ask you some more questions if you're up for it, and just kind of you know take it wherever you want to go. And we're real excited to kind of pick your brain about not only where Record Store Day came from, but like where do you envision it going? So, we'll just how do you personally feel about? starting something that has become so amazingly successful and tens of thousands of people, you know, celebrate it every year and look forward to it. Well, I mean, it's, it's nice. It's, it's a, it's, it's a nice thing. You know, there was a point in my life when I, you know, sometime in my twenties when I realized that I was not going to be Keith Emerson and Paul McCartney. (laughs) And, uh, you know, so I guess this is my, that's my thing. That's my contribution, I guess. I don't, yeah. No, it's real nice. It's real yeah. nice. I can't. Well, it's a great contribution. Um, Thanks. How how hands-on were you and Bull Moose with, like, and you talked about this a little bit, but, like, as mm-hmm. far as, like, contacting bands and, and getting potential releases during the first few years, could you, did you get to guide them any? Or I, I, I'm sure you can't, you know, tell them to release this, but, you know, did you feel like that was a real hands-on activity? Well, the nice thing about it is that if we go back to what we're talking before about the structure of having these three coalitions all partnering on it, is that each of the coalitions had their own people to do stuff. Mm -hmm. So that, so, you know, when you hear names like Michael Kurtz, Carrie Colleton, Eric Levin, those are people at the coalitions who, like, part of their jobs were to make things happen for independent stores. So, they're the ones who really kicked the doors down. And uh, so I didn't personally have to do a whole lot. It was really uh, other people. And and then within, you know, within as different record companies heard of thing, got wind of it, there were people inside who championed it, like somebody within Warner Music Group or whatever they were called at the time. We, uh, this guy, Jaron, was like, you got to fucking do this. At least that's what he said. He said he said he was swearing at everybody, but I don't know. Then they let him go, so I don't know what happened. But but yeah, no. Um, so I didn't. But uh, like they wanted to have it on the same day. Okay. Well, there were a couple things. First, I was using Independent Record Store Day as a just a placeholder name while we were talking <clears> about. It. I said we shouldn't call it that, but it came out as Record Store Day anyway. So you know, I didn't get listened to on that, but uh, I was able. There was, you know, I had a personally had a little influence on when it was going to be because uh-huh. there was a thought that maybe it should be on the same day as Free Comic Book Day, which was definitely an ins- inspiration for it. But some people thought that was great, and I was just kind of like, you know, uh, but why don't we let them have their day? 
And I know a lot of record stores sell comic books, but then we could have our day. And if you sell records and comic books, you get to have two days. <laughs> uh-huh. But what I was most afraid of was the fact that maybe that just comes from living in a place like Maine where there aren't a lot of television crews. So you don't want to be fighting with the comic shop over who has the the local TV station show up. You know, because cause, cause the real point was just to let people know that there are these stores exist and they're awesome. And you don't, you know, it, and it's always like, yeah, well, uh, you know, maybe we'll come. Yeah, I know the guy from the doors is there, but uh, as long as there's no fire or the governor says anything dumb or whatever, maybe we, you know, maybe we'll send somebody. If I can find somebody. I don't like to work on Saturday. It's like, you don't want a guy with, okay, okay. Yeah, I mean, and I'm kind of exaggerating, but I'm kind of not exaggerating. There's only one thing that's going to be on the cover of the, uh, you know, the local arts paper. Mm-hmm. And, uh, this is true. You know, so why try to mess around with it? You know, got about Earth Day. We yeah. Have the same weekend. Well, always, but yeah, you can't I have your own I day. Know, I think I did notice that one time because we, there's like an Earth Day at a park celebration. I think we went, I think we did both. We went to my local record store and Earth Day, which was great because I got a Link Larry record. Then I got some free energy efficient light bulbs. So, you know, that's a win-win right there. <laughs> oh, nice. Oh, good. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was one of my, looking back, that was one of the best days. Um, <laughs> how involved are you with Record Store Day outside of the country? Oh, well, okay. So, so this is weird, but what happened, so the way that the idea spread to England was mm-hmm. um, Mo, Mojo wrote about it. And Billy Bragg, Read the article on Mojo, and then he happened to he happened to bump into Michael Kurtz from the Department of Record Stores, who really is you know one of the people trying to get it really trying to get it go- going. He was putting a ton of work into it and continues to. He ran into Billy Bragg in an airport in the U.S. somewhere. Just ch- they're both just changing planes, and he said, "Oh, hey, Billy, I'm a big fan." Blah 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 blah. You know, I'm, we're trying to set this record store day thing up here, and he's like, "Oh, I just read about that." So Billy went to his. When he got back to England, went to his local record store, which was Rough Trade East, and said, the Americans are doing this thing, and uh, if you're going to do it, I'd help you out. I'll work in the store, I'll DJ, whatever you want. And so that kind of – it just so happened that the manager of Rough Trade East was trying to organize – the stores in Great Britain or the UK or whatever doesn't piss people in Ireland off and Scotland about what you would call it. But he was trying to organize all those stores because he had a lot of power and he was trying to, you know, help the smaller stores too. Cool thing to do. You know, it was just kind of the right time. So somebody had to go over and talk to him after the first record store day. And that was me. They sent me over there to, they had like a, you know, so we just sat there and kind of talked about what he was trying to do. And he agreed to, to be the point person in, in Europe until it got bigger and got, hand, you know, got kind of got handed off to somebody else. What do you think is the single best, like, non-economic side effect of Record Store Day? And maybe on the flip, what do you think is the, like, worst non-economic effect of Record Store Day? Oh, those, that's a good pair of questions. Okay, the first is that it's fun. Mm-hmm. It's fun, and it brought a lot of fun back to, if you, you know, like, that was around the time Tower went bankrupt, and, like, all the mall stores were closing, and, you know, uh, whoever was popular then, everybody realized, wasn't going to sell as many CDs as Whitney Houston used to, so, it, you know, there was, like, all this bad news, everybody was really glum, and there was all this talk about stores closing, and, like, even that, like, people don't like music anymore or something, so I think it helped turn that around, and it, 
really uh, within the music industry. It was like the first good news anybody'd had since, I don't know, Guns N' Roses decided to release two albums on the same day. I don't know. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I don't know, no, but seriously, people, it was like the business side of things, even though the independent stores were doing really, really well, nobody knew it. We didn't even know it. It did really I mean, get to reinvigorate, though, everything. Like, people were really enjoying vinyl again and music again. And right, and then there's the whole vinyl thing. What was the worst thing about it? Uh, the wor- Oh, non-economic. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of, like, like a re... I'm trying to give an interesting bad thing. Like, I mean, there's stuff that makes people cranky. I guess it's the, and you know, bad judgment and stuff. Like, that's not really, you know, people guessing wrong about quantities and stuff. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess, well, I don't know. It's good and bad, I guess. I was going to say the worst thing is the, you know, it kind of led, accidentally led to this explosion of limited editions and, you know, mm-hmm. multiple things and band exclusives and this exclusive and that. But, I mean, we had that before. Um, it was just that they all were, you know, like going to Tiffany CDs with extra tracks for whoever. The Garth, all the Garth Brooks covers. Remember all the like six or seven different album covers he had there. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Oh yeah, his whole catalog yeah. was exclusive to to somebody for a while there. Yeah, and and I think, but you know, like so it feels like a bad thing, but in some ways it's a good thing because you know you think of what that does for touring bands' revenue at their merch tables, like all those punk yeah. pop bands who. I'm sure it at least pays for, you know, their food and lodging and gas to get from one town to the next one. So even though none of that stuff goes through a record store. Still, that's least, incredibly important. Yeah, it keeps the ecosystem alive. It keeps pressing plants right. going. It keeps recording studios. One thing we mentioned when we were, the podcast we recorded before, you know, we were talking to you is, you know, the shortages and the labels get upset about that. But it seems like that's going to hopefully solve itself as more record presses are opening and it seems like a more of a viable business to have record press plants, you know, opening. And it seems like the bad thing would be in the past that people get complained about, you know, certain releases get pushed back for all these record store day releases. And I guess that's probably more of a label issue than a store issue. Yeah. I mean, a lot of that, you know, what, what happened, I I think the problem, the thing is that a lot of the uh, people started planning way ahead for record store day, like when, when, when people realize that, and you can do that if you're, you know, if it's a reissue, you know, I, I think it's hard to get some bands to turn in their music early enough, you know, and then wait four months before the whole thing can get pressed and, you know. Are you saying that some rock bands are not punctual? (laughs) 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 Well, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they they go at their own first. pace, you know. No, well, the, you know, I, I mean, some some folks, I think, it you know, get so used to just the the whole like if if they if the early part of their career is just putting some stuff up on YouTube, this is uh, until yeah, they, that's they true. get you know how long? What is that? You know, they thirty minutes, twenty minutes between the time they finish mixing and put it up. So it may not occur to people that it takes time. And uh, maybe artists have more leverage now, and if they don't want to wait, they don't wait. But um, it means that you know they won't be on records, and you know, or their records come out later, or you know, like there's all those shitty, uh, you know, like uh, hip hop records get get bootlegged a lot. There's like crappy vinyl taken off of who knows what. You hear about like uh, you know whatever 
Frank Orange records and things, or whatever that don't exist. But then they do, you know. They're not, you know, they're not authorized in any way. He's not getting any benefit from it, and uh, you know, they, that's, no, that's, that's a problem. But yeah, they're working on that. I don't know. Yeah. So, where do you see Record Store going? What do you think it's going to look like in five to ten years? Ah, that is an excellent question. Well, so this time around, there are more than 450 releases or right around 450. And we used to shoot for like 300 mm-hmm. and overshoot all the time. But there are a lot more releases this time around. And the quantities on some of them are getting larger. And there are also more like really super fantastic things that, you know, like you know your Led, Led Zeppelins and Bowies and, and, and things that are really high demand but really cool. So right. I think we're at a point, and then there's also like way more of the niche weirdo stuff, which tends to be what like I personally more interested in myself. So what I think we're at a point where the people who spend all the money that they could possibly spend on records on record store day can't spend anymore. Hmm. Like re- the actual record store day, there's more room to play on record store day Black Friday because there's fewer releases. But like I don't think you can. You know, there are a lot of people who spend like between two and $300 on record store day and then still buy stuff in May and March. They don't have any more money or maybe they do, but you know, maybe they shouldn't spend any more. So I don't think the day itself can get any bigger. So there's going to have to be some more shifting around. I think of indie exclusives onto other days. I mean, there's tons of indie exclusives every week, actually, or, or a handful every week. Uh, but I think we may need to have, I don't know. Maybe the next time Led Zeppelin wants to do something, it's an indie exclusive that falls on a different day, or I don't know. Things are starting to be talked about behind the scenes, and I uh, we've got some meetings coming up in uh, May where I think some of that's going to get to be hashed out, like what the future is. But um, very cool. I think we're yeah, yeah. I mean, like it's good. It's like two, there's more stuff. So what do you do with what do you do with that? Yeah, do you see a lot of, or do you hear a lot of people saying? Record store owners saying that they have more and more inventory left over each year because there are so many more releases coming out and people are already at their spending cap? That's a great question. I mean, you know, I don't know. I don't think anybody's ever got any data on that, like actual real data, but that would be really interesting to see. That'd be really interesting, you know, because what we're really, you know, but what it seems to me is that the problem is that there's always some duds and lots of times, the communication from the band to the product manager to the sales department to the marketing department to whatever, by the time it gets down to the stores, stores don't always really know what's going to be on something when it is, uh, when, when they have to order. And, you know, a good example of that would be the Frank Zappa thing that is coming out. Until you actually, until a store gets a copy and sees the sticker on it that says it's, it was an all analog cut. They're not going to know that. Mm-hmm. So they're going to run out way earlier because Frank Zappa fans, if they even know that, know that they're certainly going to see that and go, holy crap, I got to get that. You know, it moves that record from the maybe stack to a lot, to a definite for a lot of people. Okay. As oh, I'm sure, yeah. right. You know, be, because it's, it came out on CD, like the music came out on CD like 10 years ago. Yeah. So, but it, and it's, so it's not just a colored vinyl by a, a collectible artist. Now there's like a sonic reason to do it as well. Right, right. I didn't, I didn't realize that the that that information wasn't given out like that kind of a detail. Is it just typically just the, kind of held back a lot of the details like that? Well, it's because it, that level of detail only matters on a few releases a year. 
So I, I really think that there are people at record companies who just don't understand that we need to know that. Um, cause we're always, you know, I always find people, like I run the, um, Bull Moose Vinyl Twitter account. So that's where all the weird, like detailed questions come usually. You know, who mastered this? Who cut it? Is it, you know, is it all analog? Is it two records or one? Or, you know, is it off of the last digital master or do they do a new one? You know, all those kinds of like picky questions, which totally, totally matter to somebody if they're thinking about that they need to buy it for the fourth time. Yep. Is it a remaster? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, all that stuff. But it's, you know, like somebody knows it. It's on the purchase order, you know, like what did you say? Half speed, half speed mastered? Like, they had to tell the you know whoever engineered it that they wanted it done that way. That information's known. Although uh, in the case of Zappa, that's distributed by Universal, and they have a very low. They're like Twitter in terms of the number of words that they're allowed to put in their new release solicitations. <laughs> so somebody was probably like, "Oh, I can't fit it. Take it out," because I know that like you know there's real music people working there who would know that that's important information. But I think it just gets, you know, it just gets lost in translation. And sometimes it's like, you know, or, or people are talking to management like, hey, you two thinking of doing something. Uh, great. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Well, how many should we make? Uh, well, about this many. And then um, it turns out that, but you had like that conversation between management and whoever's having those conversations either you sometimes it's within record store day sometimes it's actually the label they may have to pick a quantity before the band has said what they want to do so if you two decides they're going to debut a new song that nobody's heard before you can't go back and say uh can we triple that right right so sometimes it's just how things go but yeah it's so it's it's just tricky and sometimes you guess wrong you're like oh i guess people don't want a new car 45 by the cars. That's funny. They really popular band. Totally didn't sell. I don't know why. Well, I don't know why. And I think just, I read somewhere where you mentioned that you think that like y'all are getting better at getting the the amount of records those you know manufactured right, and that helps with all sorts of problems. Like what you're talking about helps with the eBay flippers who yeah you know all that all that sort of stuff. But I think like still relatively a, a new thing and, and maybe what you're talking about as far as spreading it out a little bit might help with some of that. You don't yeah. always have to get it right on the one day. Like, you, you know, there's a little bit of play in that, so to speak. Um, that's a great point. That's, that's a great point. And, you know, the smaller stores, maybe they're buying stuff on their credit cards or COD or whatever might help them too. I don't know. You know what would help the most actually with quantities is like the hardest the hardest thing to guess is the stuff where people it's the stuff that like like well uh, you know like how many how many copies do we you know, there's 12 bull mooses right so how many copies do we order for each bull moose how do we know you know pick any release johnny cash how many johnny cash you know live at Folsom prison prison you know records are we going to order for each bull moose there's like a guy who it's upstairs for me. He has to do that. He has to look through this giant thing. And, you know, he knows who Johnny Cash is. He knows what it is. He knows it's a box set. Like, he's got all the info. But, you know, he's got to guess how many people are going to show up in each store looking for that. And um, that's hard. And so, yeah. of course, he's, he's – but he does it based on, like, past sales history. I mean, Johnny Cash, obviously, we've been selling Johnny Cash as long as we've been open. So, I mean, he, it's easy to, to see. So it's the people who always say every day is record store day. Like they're the ones who record store day is for, but they're also the ones who make it easiest. 
Because like if you've been buying every Johnny Cash reissue, we know we probably need to have that box set in the store for you. Even if you run out of money that day, maybe you'll get it the next month or somebody will get it for you for a present or whatever later on. But if you show up at the wrong bull moose, <laughs> you know, or you go to some place, you know what I mean? Or you never come to bull moose until the Johnny Cash box set comes up. That's when you get, that's when we uh, undershoot is like, well, we didn't know you even liked that. So magnify that by all the stores. And that's when, that's when things get tight. Yeah, I can definitely see that. I got one more kind of data question just to see if you if you know this. And, and Joe and I talked a little bit about this on, on the last show, but does Record Store Day, do you think it helps Bull Moose all year long? I know, I know it's a it's a great thing and great listening to it, but do you feel like there's new regular vinyl customers that start spending their money on records throughout the year because of Record Store Day? Well, if you're talking about just records, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, you know, because there's more, you know, made everybody make more. Yeah. So, yeah. But in terms of like regular, Bullwoos is still more CD than, than vinyl. But yeah, it, it definitely does. I think it's because it brought, definitely brought some people back who had, you know, started buying music in other ways or, yeah, that's good. But it, it has also helped with, you know, part of the point of it was to kind of raise everybody's, not just ours, but every store's profile within their local right. community. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so yes, I'm doing this, uh, you know, podcast with you guys because of Record Store Day, but, you know, people, you know, press calls us about all kinds of things when something happens. They, you know, stop by the store and stick a microphone in front of whoever's working there and say, hey, Michael Jackson died. What happened? What do you think? You know, so, <laughs> oh, it's true. You know, but, but all that stuff, all that stuff's really good. In fact, the, the more it's people who work at stores and the less it's me, because I'm usually in an office, the, the better, because they're the people who, if you go into a bull moose, that's who you'd see. But yeah, yeah, no, I think it's it, it has been a good thing. And also, you know, there's all this behind the scenes stuff is that it raised, the, it gave independent stores a lot more clout and it gave the independent community a lot more clout. Mm-hmm. So it just makes the industry has to pay attention to us in a way that they didn't really before. I mean, they did, but they didn't. That's that's interesting. I guess I'd never even really thought of it from that perspective. But yeah, the, you know, kind of pulling together those collective voices, you know, it helps to have one focus where everybody can kind of get behind. But you know, that that would have a long lasting, you know, impact on the whole industry. I, you know, I would imagine that everybody's speaking the same thing and saying the same thing. We need to oh, we're not saying the same thing everybody. at all. But <laughs> but it's you know. <laughs> But at least there's somebody to talk to with, you know, and it, I mean, if you do, do the math, you know, 400 and what is it, like 450 releases, um, there's probably an average of somewhere between two and 3,000 copies. So, and the average, you know, I don't know, whatever I did, you know, if you do the math, you're into like a million, you know, 10 to 20, 10 to 20 million dollars in business in one day or something like that. Like that's, that's a lot of uh, it's a lot of paychecks, both at record stores and yeah. at record labels. And it's like what I'm just looking here at the list. Like if you're belly, you know, there's all all two thousand of those ten inches are going to sell, or at least will have sold to stores. So, you know, they're they're like trying to come back, and you know, they're their own label. The label is Belly Incorporated. You know, it's a, basically a, they've got distribution, but it's like a direct deal. So for them, that's a quick. I don't know what that is. Twenty grand. They're famous. They were huge in the nineties, but you know, split that four ways. You know, 
That'll help them feed yeah. the tree. <laughs> Was that their hit? I, I really hope I got that one right. <laughs> okay. Uh, we're going to kind of pivot, and Joe's going to take over, but we're going to talk more about just kind of more fun fun things. But uh, when you were growing mm-hmm. up, was there a local record store that you were able to go to and find out about new and cool records that you couldn't hear about anywhere else? I mean, did you have kind of a record store that was a community gathering place? I mean, there were a bunch of different ones, I guess. Yeah, you know, where I grew up, there were, you know, there were a bunch. Um, but, you know, even the mall stores were pretty good. Like, I, I was solidly into progressive rock in the 80s when I was, you know, like in junior high and high school. And uh, you could, like, walk into, like, a record town and find Gentle Giant, like, in stock, multiple albums by them and, and all, you know, all kinds of cool stuff. So, but, yes, I do remember when somebody took me to like a cool store you know the cool used store and that was a big eye opener and i guess when the when i was about 18 or 19 there was a store that opened in my neighborhood like on a side street but the, it's the guy pretty much specialized in british folk and progressive rock so that's where i was able to yeah yeah that's where i was able to get into some of the deeper stuff like uh, you know bands like magma and gong and then on the british folk side like fairport convention uh people like that whose stuff was really hard to find in the late 80s or whenever mm-hmm. that was 1990 i don't I forget exactly now late 80s and so yeah that was awesome because i could be like hey uh i don't know so yeah i like pink floyd but what what else is there you know and he could be like oh hey man <laughs> here you go <laughs> yeah no which was great what was the guy's name dan apanowitz that was his name i think his family were butchers they were local butchers and he decided to not be a butcher but open a record store for whatever <laughs> <laughs> a year and a half or you know, how long it lasted. When I'm slicing meat, there's nothing like the, the smooth sound of Sandy Denny to kind of <laughs> guide my way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that was the guy. <laughs> Has there been, like, one, if you were to step back and say there's one, like, single Record Store Day release where you just said, holy shit, how did this happen? Did that, like, something that was just totally unbelievable that, that ended up coming about? Uh, like a reunion wow. you never thought you'd see or something? Yeah, well, they're probably... Oh, well, the Popeye soundtrack was, was a nice oh, surprise. Yeah. That You Need Me... Oh, I love that You Need Me song. Um, <laughs> yeah, and the thing is that, you know, the, the cool thing about it is that, what, like, Perez Saraband, which is, you know, I mean, they're a soundtrack label... But they're also like really cool, and they're one of the their A and R people are some of the few A and R people in the industry who actually want to talk to people at stores. Most don't, most of them don't. But their people are like, "Hey, what are people asking for?" And so I said, "Hey, man, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, Rob Williams just died, and then I watched Popeye again, and that's like the music's really good." And he's like, "Yeah, that's a Harry Wilson yeah, album." Well, you know what? And I know they're. Uh, you know, I just did the reissue of Flash Harry. Let me talk to the family and see. So that, you know, so that led to uh, when they did the CD, there was a whole second. It's a two CD set, but the second disc has all this, like, has all the demos, which is Harry Nielsen himself singing. with Harry singing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think they had been like floating around on bootlegs before, but of course the family had more, and they sound good, and and they found some on, you know, some additional cues that were in the movie that didn't make the original record, and so that was pretty great. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good example. Yeah. Yeah, that's the that's best. Really good. That's, that's a, that's but awesome, I love yeah. that music so much. And, you know, I've been out of print since the 80s that I remember this, you know, like I sometimes I, I think of like a way that I can measure pop music, like a good pop song, is if you can remember the melody 
20 years later after you haven't you haven't heard it and you still remember it you know yeah. like all you know cla- all those classic musicals you know and whatever mozart operas all that stuff it's so memorable you hear it a few times over the course of whatever the opera and then then you know yeah. kill the rabbit kill the rabbit kill. <laughs> you know we all know that stuff <laughs> i think it's wabbit though isn't it <laughs> <laughs> yeah i guess you're right <laughs> Man, that's a really good pick. I didn't realize that the Popeye one was a record store day one. I just remember being the, very yeah. The vinyl was Cause okay. this because this is one of the things that people are like have figured out is you can use a record store day release to kind of springboard into like the marketing plan for the main release. Like remember, uh, like Big Star Third. Remember they did that. They did mm-hmm. a box set that had like five of the box sets had actual test pressings from the 70s in them yeah it was like the hot thing so but this is omnivore well there's a long story behind behind that because the people because some of the people at omnivore came from rhino so the person who produced the big star box set for rhino after you know got shuffled out of rhino started her own company with another guy from rhino and some other people and so this project in her mind of like i'm gonna get big stars famous as they should have been you know, started with that record store day box set. And now you can see how she's got all this, like, uh, you know, there's a Chris Bell thing coming out for this record store day, but it's like, they just keep mining that stuff. And she's the kind of person, um, who, uh, you would totally give the key, you know, give, give her the keys to your vault and she'll find the best stuff in it. Like it's like trying to, trying to break up a, a defunct artist, you know, a dead artist. Yeah. It's, and, but if, but like, Watch, watch, and you'll see what I mean. Like, if you look at the stuff that's coming out, a lot of them you can kind of pair up with a uh, uh, release that's happening. Like, B-52s are about to go on tour. They've got something. Uh, there's an alarm thing, but there's an alarm reissue campaign going on right now. Belly, you know, they're, like, active again. I'm just looking through the Bs here. Cheech and Chong, there's the Up and Smoke box set. And reissues of Up and Smoke and, I don't know, one of their other, their second movie, whatever that was. So that's just page one, you know. Yeah, yeah. So it's just a good way to get get your, get their name back out there again before they start, it's like a, uh, like a pre-party. Uh, where, where you kind of get your right. name, name out again and then you go out and yeah. people are already thinking of you. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what it is, right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And then the flip side is something like, I don't know, Ornette Coleman where somebody's just like, man, this has to be out again. Let's get this back in. <laughs> let's get this back into people's hands. Is there a release that you've been sort of hoping would, or uh, something that would be that's been out of print that you would hope would be re-released for record store day that just hasn't, and you don't know why? Like, is anything like that, like Leonard Nimoy albums or something? There were uh, no. You, Verez Saraband just did one uh, in. Uh, I think it was record store day Black Friday last year. <laughs> so sorry, it wasn't the one I would have put out, but it's the one they had the rights to. No, I'm not. I don't know. Maybe it's a better one. I just happen to like the other one that just because his, his version of Ruby, don't take your love to town. It's like heartbreaking. There's this little, you know, you know, you know how he sings. If you heard his version of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I've got. I have. So it. we're. Yeah. yeah. Subject, Leonard next Nimoy. Next podcast, we're going to do a whole podcast on Leonard Nimoy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> his whole musical career. Oh, be, man. I like two of his albums a lot. Uh, like, I think he's had a pretty, like. The two sides of Leonard Nimoy and the touch of Leonard Nimoy, I think, are really good albums. Yeah, I mean, his Proud Mary is really is great. Yeah, but but like he really, 
Oh man, yeah. Well, that's see. This is why I wanted to be on your thing. You know, it's it's not. You know, it was the. That's awesome. Good. And the, that's so cool. his version of "If I Had a Hammer," God, when he stops and he starts, uh, he goes into a monologue. It would be the hammer of justice. It would be the. It's amazing. <laughs> he, he, what a guy, huh? What, a, what yeah, an amazing yeah. man. Well, and, I don't um, think how Shatner, you know, Shatner made that comeback album. I mean, I, I guess he, I guess Nimoy's not going to make a comeback album anytime soon. But you know, Shatner got kind of cool. Like I figure, Nimoy's due for a resurgence his, his musical career. That reminds me, I was going to ask you. So, like in the podcasts, you've mentioned, oh, I need to put that up online. Do you guys? Is there a website, or do you guys have a like? Are you putting show notes up somewhere? Because yeah, we've got you know, a website. Like, I'll, I'm going to email to you right now. Hold on. No, don't email to me. Say it on the thing so everybody else who's listening can uh, oh, go okay. to it. Uh, yeah. It's, it's a Google site. So if you if you Google Highway Hi-Fi podcast, it will be the first thing that pops up. The name's kind of long. It's sites.google.com backslash view. Oh, one of those things. Oh, but that's good. I should have just Googled it. Right, of course. Yeah, right. Well, I use DuckDuckGo, so but, who knows what I'm going to find. But, yeah. Okay, see, that's awesome. Good. So, like, that's so, where – like, when you guys do those things where – 20 or 30 seconds of five different things, and then you back announce them all. And I'm like, shit, what was that fourth? Oh, crap. I, you know, I can't <laughs> pull over to write them down, you know, because some of those were so, so good. I mean, really. like. Now, I guess to get back on track a little, if you don't mind. Okay. No, yeah, sure. A lot of records saved up with the vinyl. There's all kinds of, uh, like, colored vinyl and even Jack White's hologram, which is really cool. Uh, lock grooves and etchings and all of that. And it seems like a lot of... Uh, mm. A lot of the record collectors that I that I have known are a little bit jaded and think that stuff is kind of gimmicky. I love it. I think anything that makes it a lot more makes record playing and collecting more fun is great. But um, what's like the the weirdest, coolest thing you've seen somebody do with a record? Ooh, well, the Dwarves record that's coming out this year is pretty nifty. There's like this guy who very quietly has become the master at etching records mm-hmm. and his name's dan black matter mastering is the like his mastering brand but he also works at uh one of, recording studio in uh nashville or memphis i forget i think it's one of those ana- all analog places where you can do like you know direct to acetate kind of stuff um anyway this guy dan what he did for this dwarves record is so it's clear vinyl and it's so he's really good with the etching he can get like really like fine fine detail but what he did is he etched so one side of the record has like it's a 12 inch record but has grooves just at the very end of the record it's playable so it's like a like a seven inch Mm -hmm. and the rest of it is all etching the flip side is the exact reverse so the etching is like in the towards the center of the record and then it's only playable from for about the outer half and then there's a locked groove so that it doesn't, you know, so that your needle won't go down over where the etchings are. But the thing is, if you hold it up, it looks almost like a regular record with etchings, like playable etchings is what it looks like. It's the wow. craziest thing. It's really cool. And of course, he's, you know, he drew things that like would be appropriate for, you know, like there's a dildo and a crack pipe and I don't know, skull <laughs> and crossbow. I, I forget what it is, but it's really, um, you know, it's like, and I've seen this guy over the last few years as he's sort of been pushing his pushing his craft, like trying like that's what his thing is. He's trying to be like the Michelangelo or no Leonardo. Who's the one who was the engineer also? Leonardo. 
He's like the Leonardo of the uh, of the, the leader uh, of the turtles, or <laughs> <laughs> I think Da Vinci was the um, the one who made like drawings of helicopters and stuff, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Yeah, he's like that guy. He's 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 the art and the science combined. Um, he seems like a cool guy too. I only know him through uh, email a little bit, but yeah, that's. that's uh, I mean, hello. And that's one of the things about vinyl is just like. I don't know if there's another like musical medium where you could have fun with it like that. I don't know. It just, it just, it seems like the only way you're not going to do that on cassette tape or you're not going to do that with a CD. You know, it's a lot more like you're, there's hands on it. Every copy has different hands on it. That's a great yeah, point. Yeah. I, I love that. I really like that stuff. Even when it's kind of goofy, it's, it's just a lot of fun. I think it makes people smile, which is kind of the point. Yeah, yeah. And there was a, another one that I really loved from a few years ago, visually. I think it was Sublime Frequencies was the label that did it. I'm not sure, but it was like a, a monk singing in Aleppo. So, uh, But he was Armenian, but singing some like weird dialect of Armenian that's almost completely disappeared. So anyway, there's that. The music is really is really cool. There's beautiful, um, quiet uh, stuff, but in a language that you know I don't speak. It sounds a little like Greek, sort of. But the the there was a, they which only like they only had twenty, fifteen, twenty minutes worth of music. So the flip side is not etched, it's screen printed. So there's like orange paint on the record. Crazy. Which I don't know if I've seen anybody do that. Is that what they did with that? Um, was it the Rauschenberg Talking Heads one, or is that even who I'm thinking of? That Talking Heads speaking in tongues. Do you remember? Do you remember what I'm talking about at all? That came in that orange kind of container. I thought that that was like that was screen printed. Wouldn't surprise yeah. me that they would have thought of that. <laughs> I'm grabbing it right now. Okay. All right. Good. <laughs> I thought it was, but I don't. It's not even going to say on. Uh, it's a Rauschenberg. Yeah. I, well, po- we'll post pictures on our website now that everyone has the email address of what exactly what I'm talking about because it's not making any sense coming from me. Yeah. But yeah. That's a, a different that's, album. That's a different Talking Heads album. <laughs> It's not making it easy <laughs> for me. <laughs> Stop making it easy. That's what happens with our podcast about halfway through. So normally on the show, by after we go through all this stuff, we, as you know, we play a few songs that mm. we think people should hear um, that we don't think have been appreciated enough. Do you have a few songs or albums that you want to that you would be okay with just telling everybody they should go out and listen to or buy or? Do what they can to get get their hands on it. Yeah, go to SoundCloud and find the Bite the Wax Godhead cassette. It's out there. You know, Jesus, I, I always have like gazillions of things. You know, so it's like, what? Give me a, you know, give me a, a, a theme. No, I think, jeez, uh, that's tough. You know, well, what do you guys do? Do you guys, you guys probably think about it and make a list and uh, cross stuff off and. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> we go, yeah, it takes me a long time. I try to just record songs kind of while I'm working all day long, and then I'll go back and see how they're going to fit into which show. Oh, that's cool. Well, you guys, do you know anything about this artist, The Caretaker? No. Mm-mm. All I know is that uh, yesterday somebody asked if we were going to have a be able to get their uh, Phase 4 by The Caretaker, and uh, so I was like, huh, I wonder what Phase 1 through 3 is. And I cannot figure out what the heck it's supposed to be, but I like I'm into it. But it sounds to me like what I'm only like two hours into it, so I don't know. Maybe, maybe something happens in the third hour. But it seems to me that it sounds like whoever this caretaker is took a bunch, has just taken old like '78s and like Fats Waller and I don't know uh, 
stuff and just like applied a ton of reverb and um, echo to them. And then that's just what uh. you get. You know, like the, the Fats Waller music from the, the Eraserhead, you know, the David Lynch movie or like at the yeah. end of the end of The Shining. It, it gives uh-huh. you that kind of feel. But I can't figure out like because I bought the CD at the store yesterday because we had it. And but there's no liner notes. There's not even track titles. I only know the names of the songs because I put it in the CD player that it, you know has CD text enabled. So I have no idea what it is. The artwork doesn't tell anything. Can't guess. So I'm just like listening blind. I don't know what it is, but it's compelling. It's a lot of a horror movie, though, too. Isn't that starting something off there where it's <laughs> this, this caretaker is going to come <laughs> take, take care of you? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but that's it. And that's the thing is it feels like it's go- I, I think it's going somewhere, but I don't know where. Like, is it going to get freakier or, or is it just it is what it is? Um, Do you think there's know. been like four albums worth of it? He's like on his fourth album worth of it? Yeah. Yo, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. You can like pre-order it in England now and we're just sort of waiting to see how many copies are even going to make it to the U.S. before anybody here can try to sell it. But so it's one of, you know, this is one of those things where it's like really limited vinyl and then there's CD later. Is it so I think everywhere at everywhere at the end of time, stages one through four? Stages, not stages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the one. Yeah, okay, right. I'm just looking it up now, I'm cheating because I wanted to see who this guy was. Wow. Okay. He's got a bunch. So of I did. Yeah. So I don't know what I mean. I I you know like I listened to a little bit of it on his Bandcamp or SoundCloud or something yesterday and or her. I don't even know. And thought oh, I I need to just sit with this for a while. So I bought it and uh, I just you know I'm intrigued because I've never really heard. You know I don't know what the concept is. He's got a ton of aliases too. <laughs> Billy Ray Cyrus, bored in Columbia. Billy Ray Cyrus. I think my favorite is Butcher Claws, but <laughs> the Edgley Musher, pretty good. It's, it's kind of fun when you can stumble across somebody and not have any context, you know, like to fight that urge that we all have to like get all the information and Google and look at pictures and videos, but it's just kind of like you were just saying, kind of just live in it. Live in the moment and, and kind of sit with it. Some of my favorite bands, like you know, I don't, I didn't know anything about them for a while. Somebody had just given given me a CD or I heard it at a party or something like that. And as soon as I opened the box and found out more about them, I didn't like them as much as when I just made my own story up for them or, or let them speak for themselves. I guess. Yeah. I don't know if you want a spoiler for this, but the, the caretaker is planning. <laughs> um, he has a. It's going to be six parts. He's going to conclude the six-part series in 2019. Yeah, that's what I. That's what the. Um, yeah, I heard that from the. Oh, okay. The guy, the label guy, I was talking to, because he's like, "Oh, well, uh, yeah, I don't know. We're going to only get you many of the records, but uh, there'll probably be a CD of four through six. <laughs> you know, so maybe maybe whatever this concept is is maybe I don't get it because I'm only a third of the way through. Right. Right. But whatever, it's going to be. I'm I'm signed up for the journey. You know, I think I'm going to. Yeah. I think I'll. I'll uh, have Sounds to, like have a worthy investment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to like try to track down. I'm not going to try to. Well, basically, at this point, if I bought a, a copy of the record, I'd be depriving it from somebody else from getting a copy of it. So I'll wait for the CD. But because you know, there's probably people who it means would mean more to. You know, hey man, yeah, thanks for turning me on to that artist. Uh, we only got one, and it's mine. Sorry, <laughs> 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 caretaker head. Yeah, that's it. Tough. You should. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Don't don't ask on Twitter anymore about about cool stuff. It's hard to find because you know, that would be awful. I would hate. I would hate to. Be, I would hate to be that person. 
And also, you know, then of course I we wouldn't have a store, and you know, I would lose my job. There wouldn't. You know? <laughs> oh, we didn't. You know what we didn't talk about? People, I don't think we talked about it. people who flip record uh, record store dates. Oh yeah. How do you okay. how do you like that? <laughs> what do you think of that? <laughs> well, I mean, it, it you know it hurt. It, you know, it hurts my feelings really. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, it's counterproductive. I but I also you know I see the numbers and you know I mean I wish eBay would help. They refuse to, and I wish that you know I I wish that people could just like not do it. I mean, it, it's I it actually bothers me all year long, and if you know I don't collect sneakers, so I don't really care that that happens with sneakers and makeup and all like everything now. But I guess it's because I see uh, I see how hurt people are, you know, by you know when they can't get something that would really mean a lot to them, and it also seems you know ridiculously inefficient. You know, especially when you've got things being shipped around extra times because you know that stuff's going to get damaged and lost. And there's a point where the only people making any money are eBay with their whatever percent and, uh, you know, the USPS or post office or whatever, you know, UPS. Especially when you have setting the like actual like scalper flippers aside who just think of it as some kind of fucked up investment. But like when you have collectors ripping each other off, that's a, you know, that's just kind of a zero sum game. You know, you know, if I buy a 40, if I pay you 40 bucks for a $20 record and you pay me, you know, then we do the same thing. We've each now paid, I don't know, after shipping and everything, we now each paid $50 for a $20 record and somewhere in the middle, $10 just got, evaporated you know do you think there's any kind of solution for flippers i mean other than ebay cracking down somebody in record store day i don't know if it was you full moose record yeah it was if people if they found out that people were pre-selling the record store wouldn't be able wouldn't be allowed like the next year to take part is that or was that not is that not correct? that is true and that is always handled like super quietly okay that's great but yes and usually but what i do know is that it's usually like, hey, uh, you know, uh, maybe there's a little misunderstanding, but, uh, you know, that's not, you know, that pledge that you sign. You're not really, you're not supposed to do that. It's, you know, upsetting everybody. Could you not do it? And, uh, you know, oh, wow, sorry, I won't do that again. You know, a lot, sometimes it's a mistake, but then there's the people who are like, fuck you, I can do what I want. Like, okay, but not with, but I've never had to have those conversations. Other people do that. My understanding is it usually starts out nicely, you know, because most people are reasonable. And once you start throwing in the like stuff that's coming out on record store day, that's not really a record store day release, but somebody's trying to pretend it is, gets confusing for a store. I can absolutely see how somebody would, you know, make an honest mistake and get confused about something gets in the wrong pile or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, if they have um, staff members that are putting things online that they're going to college, they're not really even into records all that much, they don't necessarily know what's going on. It's not their fault. Right. Uh, yeah. But there is, a, I mean, there's that whole other side. But, I mean, we do a lot of online business, and so we see that all the time Yeah. Um, with people trying to, um, and, but you can kind of tell. Uh, it's worse, like, even in the, uh, like, uh, horror, out-of-print horror DVDs. Those are, there's big money in that if you can buy those, but it's usually easy to tell. Uh, the difference between somebody who only buys like you know six copies of um, the Star Wars episodes that weren't edited—they're like the original theatrical versions—and then but didn't buy any of the uh, new Blu-rays when they came out. You know, only wants the <laughs> these multiple <laughs> copies of you know 
Han shoots first version, you know, <laughs> CGI. <laughs> I mean, it's just a thing. Like, it's kind of it's kind of obvious, and so um, you can kind of weed those people out if you notice. You know, it takes work. Right? Yeah, but <laughs> but, but like, but the thing is, like, if you do the math and you realize we're talking about like seriously, like a million records in one day, the number that actually end up on eBay is a really small percentage. It sucks if you didn't get one and somebody's got it up online for a ridiculous price, but. Um, yeah, it's just I find it to be disheartening that people would do that to other people. Personally, I well, just think it's it seems totally it seems totally counter to what the whole what the whole day is about to me. But that's why I, that's why I find it so hurtful. Yeah, that's why it's like insulting. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. You know, and yeah. I, I've had that happen before, and I'm sure lots of people have. I mean, I, you know, it's not unique to me. Where I'm not I'm I'm not gonna like rush in and push people aside to get something. That's just not me. You know, I'll go in and grab what I want. Is there are people who are going to get there and they're going to take three copies of whatever and and brag about it or whatever. You know, you have especially well. You know, I, I live in a small town. It's a very small record store. I knew most of the people who shop there. We'd been mm. going to record store day every day or every year for the past seven years. You know, I can tell when somebody's coming in just to to do that stuff, and it just you know doesn't stop me from having a good time. Doesn't stop me from supporting my record store, but it's just not fun, and I know it's not certainly what you have envisioned for it. Nah, and but like you said, I mean, a small percentage. But if it's a record that you want that you can't get for a reasonable price or can't get, period, it sucks. Even and so what if if you're yeah wow I'm one of the half a percent of the people who couldn't get the record they wanted. That doesn't does that make you feel better? I don't know. No. Yeah, it, it kind of sours you on the whole experience, or it could potentially, which is terrible. Yeah, it, yeah. I mean, you can. Yeah, I think it's the the people who really get. You know, it's the like the people who buy records, a lot of records all the time, kind of know that that's how it goes with limited edition records. You win some, you lose some. You just can't get them all. It just doesn't. It's just not possible. But yeah, it's the you know the the people who some people you know like a I don't know whatever people who are. Um, you know, it, it's a new experience for them, and it's too bad. It's a chance for that store to, you know, make a new friend, yep. and um, right. they can't. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, it's a shame. Um, but there's shitty people. A small percentage of shitty people will ruin just about anything a lot of the other people like. Yeah, that's true. But, you know, we just ostracize them as a society. And, like, you know, people who, you know, it's like that thing. Like, you've all know, you've known people who kind of like to try to get through life taking advantage of other people. And it's not a, I don't think that's a fun life. Doesn't seem like, you know, where, where, where does it, like, you can never get enough. If that's what you're about, you can never get enough. You know? Yeah. And, Right, and, and uh, but I think there's that like you don't trust people because you'd screw somebody else over, therefore they'd screw you over if they had the chance. You know, there's like that's just a different mindset. Yeah, you know, yeah. That just, it doesn't make sense to me, or it sounds like to any of us. But I don't know. I can't get in the heads of those people, so I don't know what they're enjoying or not enjoying. I guess I don't. Yeah. I certainly don't like it. Bothers, just even thinking about people who do that on record store day just bothers me, no matter what day it is. Yeah. It, it's just a uh, unintended consequence, but you know, oh, they did something. So something that was done. So you, you know, like the list. There's, we try to keep a really tight control on when a list is published and how the information gets out, because a lot of times, like I was, you know, it because it's part of somebody's marketing plan. The artist really needs to control. Sometimes artists have a really specific plan for like their whole rest of their year. And so the record store day announcement needs to fit around their plans. Otherwise, why do the record? Like if um, 
you know, Belly wants to make a big announcement about, you know, the reunion album or whatever the heck it is, you can't have the record store day thing leak before they're ready to make their big thing or it just screwed them. So they, well, anyhow, the, what was done this year though was that the uh, list was released to the public before stores had to have their orders in, which then gave okay. the rumor mill a chance to kind of, um, you know, people could then say, oh, hey, I'm really hoping you'd have this or are you going to have that? Uh, we actually made a Google, I did made like a Google form so people could go on our website and like say, you know, I mean, it's really crappy form but just like you know list what what store are you going to come to and you know what what uh what what records are you hoping that you'll find there you know when our uh the folks at bull moose were ordering things you know they used that and like oh wow hey somebody in that store wants that thing oh great well i wasn't going to order it for there but yeah like, well why don't we get two just to make sure that person gets one you know or whatever it was so that's a new thing but that is going to have a big impact on flippers because the right records are going to be in the right places, and um, it's going to make it easier for people to get what they want on Record Store Day. They're going to sit when they're on auction sites later, you know. And tweaking those, tweaking, you know, increasing those—it's uh, like anything that can be done to make it easier for the right number of records to be in the store where the someone's going to show up. Like that's how we're really going to beat the flipping thing. Is yeah. if there's nobody, it's the you know if if people are, don't buy them, people will stop and they'll move on to whatever's next. Beanie Babies, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys? Are there still a lot of regional record store day releases? Like I seem to remember there, like some parts of the country will get specific releases and other parts won't. Does that does that happen very often? No, it never happens. That's just a bad term for it. It's confusing. Okay. That okay. like limited run regional thing, all that really does is it's it I think that's it's just a signal that like if you have no idea who that band is and and you think they shouldn't be on record store day, it's just cuz cuz maybe they've never played within a thousand miles of where you live. So you okay. could have that, like, you that know, store won't order it because they don't know about it. Whereas it'll get ordered by people who know it in the area. Yeah, they could order it, but you know, they're like, you know, we don't sell like Southern rap gospel that's sung in Spanish, you know, or whatever. They don't have a thing that our store doesn't sell that, but you know, maybe in, yeah. You know, and if you think of part of what like a good local record store, part of their role in the community, right. Is to help launch local and regional artists, right? Like who, mm-hmm. You know, what the Beatles, right? They were discovered by the manager of their local record store, really. You know, Brian Epstein was managed the record department at his parents' store. You know, like, I got a lot of special orders for this Beat Brothers thing. Oh, they're local? Well, you know, it, so that's that's just a kind of clear space for that and to honor that. So that's that's all it means. It doesn't mean, like, we couldn't order something from some, some band if they happen to have a following here. Who knows? Maybe they, you know, went to college here or whatever. Good. So there's hope um, that that Young Woo album will be in Milwaukee for me. That's what I'm looking for. <laughs> yes. Well, <laughs> if you, uh, yeah, if, if yeah, well, if, if, certainly if somebody, yes, there's no reason why they couldn't have gotten it unless they just had to know you would have won it. But if you had bought similar things at that store before, then they're more likely to do it. Yep. And it's usually the case for me and I think for Ryan as well. We're both, we both have, have fairly young kids and we live in places where there aren't a lot of record stores, if any. And so I usually wait till like the Monday and then I get on, and I'm not trying to promote your store, but I almost every Monday after I get on Bull Moose record site and I mm. order the things that I want because usually for the most part I'm getting things that most other people aren't really thinking too much of. Yeah, but, and we try to we try to order a couple extra for 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 things like that because we know there are people who don't have a good option locally or maybe I mean I know 
one of our customers, online customers, is blind. So he can't really do record store day. He no, because he can't drive 200 miles. I mean, it's also like he doesn't live near, you know. So he's got like the double right. whammy there. So the only way he's going to be able to get anything is. But we're like his local record store. We just, you know, we have that relationship. That all colored. That it's all colored vinyl. What? <laughs> 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 haven't discussed that. Haven't discussed that with him. But he has given us, uh, you know, some pointers on our website about how to make it easier for screen, you know, screen readers and things, the accessibility oh, uh, tools. Yeah, yeah. He's like, hey, man, this doesn't work, you know. But yeah, it, it, you know, we kind of, um, I'd really love to see indie record stores take over the web the way that we're the last people standing in uh, the physical world. Uh, I just think that, you know, the experience that people like about going into a store, the, you know, whether it's like the curation of the selection or the personal service or, you know, just the local flavor or whatever it is, you can, that same thing works great online. You know, we're like bullmoose.com is trying to be, give people that kind of feeling, like to be people's local record store who don't actually have a local record store anymore. You know, they, wherever they live just doesn't, you know, doesn't support it for whatever reason. But, you know. Well, I mean, I know I can speak for me because I don't have one. And unfortunately anymore, I'd have to drive at least an hour and a half to, to get to, to a physical store. But, yeah. You know, and I've ordered, but, you know, if I'm going to spend my money on records, I want to give my money to to a worthy place that, that cares about it and employs people and, mm. you know, not machines. And that's why Bull Moose is a great option. Oh, thanks. That, that, that and the free shipping is really nice. So, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, I love that. But, you know, you have good selection. And I guess I'm plugging you all a little bit, but not, not for any other reason other than I have and I know Joe's the one who told me about you all, so I know he's used oh, it cool. too. So yeah, quite a bit actually. Well, that's awesome. what it, what you know would be cool to see is how some software online places have in support. They'll have like a button that says chat, and somebody will come online to have yep. like a record store person there to say, "Hey, I like this and this. Can you help me?" <laughs> and they can point out other things they might like. Kind of fun to have a just kind of a chatty person like that to to help. Yes, that would be awesome, and I, I would love to see that. It's uh, you kind of have to have somebody standing there. Yeah, or how yeah. you know, <laughs> afford to pay that many people to do that? But <laughs> well, you know, yeah, but that's the kind of thing that it, as as the sales, you know, it's one of those things where you're like, yeah, boy, it'd be great to be open till midnight because people would like us to. But uh, you know, do enough people come in, you know, or whatever. But so far, stores are open till midnight. But yeah, I I would love to have a little chat thing on there. It's just. You can see you know, having a few people who are like your specialist and, hey, you know, send them a message and they'll give you a couple ideas or something. I mean, you know, there, there's ways to build that personal aspect in, I think. So, and some of that's just having a good website that's easy to use and, and recommendations or what's new, what's cool, that sort of stuff too. Yeah, I've been thinking about those, you know, like rec- recommendation algorithms and because we wrote one like in the – Late 90s, we used to like mail out cassette singles to people. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, cause we could, cause yeah, 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 like promo things, you know, like we'd say, like a record company would give us 200 copies of something and, you know, a couple hundred bucks for postage or whatever. And we would figure out, you know, based on our, you know, customer data, like who would be most likely to get into whatever, you know, we did it for Roadrunner a lot, like bands like Cold Chamber and Fear Factory, like those kinds of bands. Remember that, you know, yeah. new metal. 
it, but it like worked, you know, I mean, if you're a new metal fan in the, in the 90s, getting a tape in the mail, I mean, come on, that's really, that's cool. Yeah. And, uh, but anyway, um, yeah, so I've, I've been thinking about those, those recommendations a lot lately because, you know, all that like retargeting stuff, you know, like when you go to some website and something, a product you looked at on a different website pops up and like, hey, you forgot to buy this generator. <laughs> Right. I know. I just needed like a, uh, you know, whatever. Like all that stuff seems so clumsy and crappy to me, uh, and I think it's because it's always looking backwards. And I think you need to look forward. But a human would, you know, mm-hmm. like when you're working at the store, you know who it is who comes in and like the craziest, you know, whatever. Like you know who the people who buy free jazz are, and you know who yeah. the people who are like into trip hop or you know whatever, and like. So you don't need to wait for a bunch of data. And especially once you get into limited vinyl, there's 300 copies of something being made for the whole world. By the time some recommendation engine catches up, it's gone. You know, you right. need to be like, hey, who are the people who like uncategorizable, uncatery, whatever, you know, like I think yeah. of it in my head. I think actually, I think of it as weird shit. Like that's, that's, that's the genre yeah. I have in my head when I'm thinking about stuff. I'm like, who likes weird shit? Okay, you know. It's almost like we need to build, like, you know, like that's the attribute you somehow need to apply to people. If they like weird shit, you know, like maybe they'll buy some Radiohead once in a while, you know, or the big stuff. But, you know, they'll take a chance on any goddamn thing as long as it's weird and good. But that's where, like, your chat idea would work great, like, for that human thing. Like, it's that, hey, we're going to get three copies of this thing, and I'm pretty sure I need to hold one for you. Do you, should we? You know, it's that stuff. One of the customers, you feel kind of awesome that somebody's looking out for you, or saying, you know, just as a person, like, wow, somebody thought of me to at least give me a chance to buy this record. You know, I'm, yeah, you know, that's a, it's just what a, a store should do, you know, to connect with customers. You know, almost every record store employee that was worth anything would, for the regulars, they would always keep an eye out on some things for them and say, hey, just held this back for a day because I knew you'd come in every Wednesday and. Do you want to? Do you want to listen to this? You got first crack at it, that kind of thing. Just because they're, sure. they're coming in a lot, they're spending money, and they, you want them to keep coming in. And... Yeah, but it's also fun. I mean, like yeah. when yeah. when you guess right for somebody, and they, you know, like I know that like when somebody comes back and says, "Hey, I like that thing that you recommended last week." What else do you got? Like that's the best feeling. Yeah, yeah. That's the totally. biggest compliment. You know? And I'm mm-hmm. sure it's true at like wine stores and you know whatever, athletic shoes and I don't know. Harley Davidson parts and you know I'm sure it's you know any place where it's a specialty item that's not a commodity that you know music seems like it has more of a more of a burrows into people more than uh, most collectible items I would think because it's the sounds and just everything about the music itself rather than you know the the aesthetics of it it's it's lasting it goes on for a long time within you emotional response to it yeah yeah you're right. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, it's not like you know anybody ever talked about like your baby will be smarter if you put a you know Funko Pop next to your uh, belly when you're pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wasted a lot of money then. <laughs> oh man! All those gar- all those Guardians of the Galaxies. Joe and I were watching the last video. Is that Voyager box set? Is that just as awesome as it seems? Or yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like a coffee table book you don't want anybody to touch, probably. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. No, it, yeah, it is really, really awesome, and I'm—I mean, I'm glad. I'm glad I bought one. 
but you know uh oh and like yeah it's a it's a listen to it once kind of thing like it was really really cool to listen to it because i've wanted to hear it since it since it went up you know like hearing everybody like it is neat to hear all the different people in different languages saying hello you know and kurt waldheim's special message to you know whoever it is we come in peace but yeah it's not like you're going to listen to it because then, uh, then after that, it's a it's a it's a very random classical and world music compilation with one Chuck Berry song in it, and so it starts. So the first, so first you get whale. First music is whale songs, mm-hmm. and there's this weird like industrial compilation of of just like sound like a John Cage Fontana mix of just like traffic and trees and birds and all kinds of I don't know what somebody's gonna get from that. That's Caretaker uh, Stage Six. <laughs> yeah, so Johnny be good. <laughs> and uh that goes right into Prentice Pandang and Kumbi of the Nayura clan. There's some Mozart in there. Looks to me like yeah, um well Glenn Gould playing Bach, at least he was American. So I think Glenn Gould and Chuck Berry are the only Americans on here. Yeah, no I mean it makes more sense to have Oh no, hold on, Blind Willie Johnson. Oh, okay. Oh, oh good. Oh. That's pretty cool. In the, yeah, in the uh, second to last track. Is there a release of this record store day that you were pretty excited about getting yourself? Oh, there's, you know, I, there's a ton. I, I made a, yeah. I mean, there are none that, I don't think there are any that, like, I'm going to feel totally awful if I don't get. Okay. Um, I mean, I imagine that the Pink Floyd will be gone, will be sold out uh, before um, like, you know, we don't buy stuff. We don't let the staff buy stuff till, um, later in the day. So everybody who, you know, everybody else who the day is for has a chance to get their stuff first. Um, so I guess that's the one that I'm going to be hoping for that I, uh, I don't, I mean, there's a lot, you know, there's like a bunch that I really, really, really want. Um, yeah, interesting. I mean, you know, like I, I'll be, and there's four Sun Ra albums, so I figure if I get three, I'm good. Yeah, those, <laughs> there's always a bunch of stuff, and I just you have to prioritize. <laughs> so, like you were saying earlier, how much more money can people spend every twice a year or once a year? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I started making a. You know what? Actually, the Latin play Latin Playboys might be one that I'd be pretty. That Which one of their albums is coming out? I didn't see that. It's just a self-titled one, which I think is the first, which I hope is the first one. I didn't know there was ever even they have, more than they one. Have another, they have another one that's also really good. Um, I think it's got oh. a title. They're really good. Yeah. I just noticed that today when I was kind of re-looking at stuff. I'd forgotten about that one. Yeah, the other album is called Dokes. That's <laughs> also really, really good. Oh, that's the one I have. Okay, well, shoot. So now I do need that one. All right, that's got to be my number one choice because I don't even have it. You're I don't welcome. even have it on CD. I have the other. Thank you. Yeah, see, that's great. That's cool. Yeah, but there's tons of you know, like all the you know the tall thing. I have that music, but it'd be nice to have it and the yeah. Wilco thing. It'd be cool. I had an eye on that um, compilation of uh, existential country songs. Oh yeah. <laughs> I was like, I, I'm probably gonna have to try to get that from. Hopefully, maybe maybe you all have a couple copies after, and I can get online or something. But uh, I don't know if that's an exclusive or not. But it looks really that's my, that is up my alley. That's a good. Yeah, that's 
I, I don't remember if Light in the Attic put that out or if they're just like the conduit for it. Yeah, they, but, I, I think it's those ones that do Hillbillies in Hell. They, yeah, it's like they release a bunch of private press and old forty fives of country songs, and they package them really nice and you know but stuff you'll it, never find. They seem to be really good folks over there. They're they uh, just starting to get to know them the last couple of years, but you know they don't put out anything that's going to be boring. Like it doesn't even if it's dull, it doesn't come through them. You know, like everything's unusual or yeah. I mean, like in the best in the best way. I haven't gotten any of those hillbillies in hell compilations. Have you? I mean, like the, I, I've got one. They, I got the first one. It's really. Did you feel good. like it was well done. It's good. Yeah, like nicely done. Uh, like it's not some bootleggy thing. It's sound, pretty good. Yeah, the sound is is fine. You could tell it's probably the best they could find. But like the song selection is fantastic. There's this one that's a, it's a country guy talking to he's saying it's called the California Hippie Murders, all about Charles Manson. Uh, I'm, I'm, it's so good. It's such a good song. That that's kind of worth the price of admission. But there's a, it's all good. But they keep they keep coming. At, like sometimes I want to get in the ground floor with that. Like I'll get the first one, and then they came out with another one, and then came out with another. I can't keep buying these. Like <laughs> yeah, because some of those things get expensive. I think it must cost a lot to actually do a nice job on some of those things. Yeah. Whether they're cleaning yeah. up old forty fives, if they're tracking people down and trying to pay them. And I think they do they do that thing where they um you know half of them are in red and half of them are in black, you know, so some people you know get pretty they want their red vinyl or they want the black vinyl. Yeah, They're, yeah, yeah. The beginning of the end, existential psychodrama and country music. Iron Mountain is the name of the label. Iron Mountain. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much, Chris. We really appreciate this. Yeah, this is fantastic. I, I thank you for giving so much of your time and your expertise. I wish I had talked to you before we recorded the one we recorded before, but we'll we'll uh, supplement this one and and the, the, the appreciate your time and and really everything you do to get well, this thing nice. started. How much fun! So well, yeah. Well, I really enjoyed this. You know, I mean, I really uh, like. I I hope it's hope. You know, I really, truly am enjoying your your podcast, and this was a great conversation. So, you know, I mean, up for doing, you know, some other time if you guys have think I fit in somewhere. Great, you know. Yes, if you ever uh, want to pick a subject you want to to research and and uh, kind of take lead on an episode, I think Joe and I would love that. Oh, so. really? Oh, huh? Yeah, yeah. Wow, that would be great. We would have, we would enjoy that quite a bit. Wow. So. You find something you think you you would like to talk about for ten, fifteen minutes, twenty minutes, however long. Yeah, we we for sure oh, would cool. have you on. Well, maybe if I figure yeah. out what the caretaker is all about, maybe <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> you know. that sounds. But I could come up with something. That'd be real fun. It seems like you guys like to go um, for the unusual, which is good. I think the idea is yeah, to I find think... things that we're really interested in that we want to look up and that we think have sort of maybe been overlooked, kind of like the songs at the end, things that aren't getting enough attention that really were important to us or mm-hmm. some part of it is important to what, we're, what we've listened to all our lives. I could come up with something for sure. Yes. Okay. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It t- it'll take me a bit, but I'll think of okay. something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. it'll be yeah. fun. No, thank no, you for suggesting we'll that. Here, but yeah, absolutely. Hey, thank you again so much for, for this, and we'll we'll be in contact, and uh, we'll, we'll definitely have this up before Record Store Day. And Cool. And we appreciate all your time. It was great. a great, well, thank great you again. fun conversation. Well, all right, you guys get some rest. <laughs> and, right. uh, yeah, I uh, uh, look forward to whatever's next.
There is like a month where I only listen to Christian psychedelic music. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com Code Pantheon Score more fantasy points